Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast. Each week, we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week, we are bringing back a concept, a little mini series that we did back in the day on game mechanics, uh, which was really fun, really enjoyed going through all those things. Uh, and there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the evolution of game mechanics, the history behind them, where they came from, how they started, and what made them popular, uh, and you know what what stands out about them. Why did we need these things? What, how did it revolutionize the gaming industry as a whole? So we wanted to kind of play around with that again uh, and start diving into some more game mechanics. And this week we are going to be talking about the first-person camera. So. You can argue, I guess, uh, that the first-person camera has always been a thing, but it really hasn't, right? When you look back at a lot of these older games like Pac-Man or things like that, uh, they were top-down, right? Or even Pong. Pong was a top-down version cam or viewport. Uh, the first-person camera came in play when you were able to feel like you're completely immersed in the game itself. It's from the player's perspective as if you were playing or walking through that area on your own. And this concept was revolutionary. It changed the way that we looked at games, changed the way in which we Im felt immersed with them, right? And there's uh, it has a pretty early start to it, but a lot of people like to think that the first-person camera actually started with Doom. Now, that is not true. I mean, id Software has revolutionized gaming as a whole. It made first-person shooters what they are today. It is the, you know, granddaddy of them all. But it is not the first first-person camera game. There's a lot of firsts in there. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> it there it, There's a pretty long history behind this stuff. And it's actually very interesting uh, and a lot of fun to, like, dive in through this stuff. But... I don't know. Uh, do you want to jump us off with this and kind of dive into for the first person camera a little bit more? Yeah, I. Uh, so I I always knew that there was first person stuff before Doom, but I didn't know how far it actually went back in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing that I could find that wasn't a racing game, because there were like some racing titles that kind of mimicked um first person but it was like a i don't know how to describe it it's those old kind of machine style not arcade well i guess they kind of were a standing arcade but that was like not really um the actual thing but the first one that i could really find was called maze war mm -hmm. and um it, it was kind of more of a proof of concept it wasn't like commercially like sold or sent out it was uh developed by high school students actually as a under a nasa work study program and that's so cool yeah i was <laughs> I like i love the fact that people like in the early game development they were there for a completely different purpose mm -hmm. right they were using these computers for work when it came like even with tetris tetris had that same history behind it where this was just something that they did on the side for fun. And now we got these amazing games. And Maze War is just another example of that. So cool. 
Yeah, and I'm like, it. it's interesting because when you look at a lot of like these older games, a lot of them are like flight simulator kind of games or war games. And it's interesting because you could probably guess that back then those games were made for those kind of situations or for learning, you know, and then, oh, it just became kind of a game afterwards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so it, it was... They were kind of shaky on the exact date it started because it was kind of like a small project. But following up afterwards, it ended up getting uh, local multiplayer uh, via like a system link. So if you hooked up two computers through a cable, you were actually able to play a local co-op or local multiplayer with it, which is fascinating because you have to remember this is early 70s, right? That's really, really cool. Um. And the map, to give a visualization of it, it's very, very basic. You know, the map is kind of like this wireframe maze and you shoot down enemies. And it's kind of fascinating. You know, it it's very, like, basic looking. But to think, like, they were able to make that back then is kind of bonkers. Yeah, they did a really great job with it. it as far as the, like, movement throughout the map, it's very, like, you just tap you know, the arrow keys to move forward, left, right, things like that. But it's the way that it redraws every single frame is very, very well done. Like you really do feel like you are walking through a maze that you're actually traversing and the perspective lines are changing with you. Like if for a game made in 1970s, like very early 1970s, I'm I'm fascinated by this. And it, though I, I don't know, I love the wireframe look regardless. I, I think it's still really, really cool. Uh, and the fact that they even have like a HUD map that you can look at, you know, like they they put a lot of work into this game, which is super, super cool. And then the fact that they figured out multiplayer aspects to it, too, is pretty amazing. And that's especially for back then. Like that's that's a lot of work to do for just some high school kids. Right. Like it's pretty brilliant that they were able to come up with this stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's it's crazy to think that a lot of these early games that really revolutionized everything and really changed the way that we look at gaming as a whole, most of them weren't made to be sold. They were just like fun projects that got passed around the office, this being one of them, right? And then once again, Tetris was another example of that, but then it blew up to this huge thing. Maze Ward didn't blow up the way that Tetris did, but it did give like people like uh, id Software the perfect framework to build off of to show that this is a concept that actually can do something with it like that there is some weight behind this right so i'm curious what is the first first person game that you can remember playing oh it i feel like it's kind of a tie well growing up i mean we still had arcades so i feel like i can give an arcade option i can give a console option so for me the first Probably experience of it was Time Crisis. Um, oh, God, I love that game. <laughs> like, you know, rail shooters like that, um, I always loved. And kind of, I don't want to say growing up, it wasn't like my mom was against me playing a shooting game. But it, you know. There's a stigma. Yeah. There, 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 yeah, especially back then with like Doom and all that. But I would say I think the first one I played um, 
was maybe that alien uh that alien game on the PS1 the uh, area alien. 51 no, no no it's um the alien Resur- it's not resurrection um no that just came out <laughs> yeah let's see i forget yeah alien trilogy and okay it was interesting because so it already had dual stick uh capabilities it was one of the first games i think to actually have that uh utilized and so that's why for me i i guess i was kind of spoiled in that sense because that's kind of what i was used to right um and it was a cool game i, I really want to go back to it because i was pretty young when i played it and uh i really liked it a lot and i when i've looked it up you know kind of like to chase down nostalgia for it people like still highly praise it because of that technology in it Mm, right. And it was uh oh, it was one of the f- first games to use three D motion capture technology, uh, or at least with a claims company. But um, that's cool. Yeah it it was it's a really cool game. You know, I, I thought it was really cool, and it, it made me interested in playing those games, even though I didn't end up finishing doom or quake until you know just last year you know like for me i kind of after that just went on to more modern shooters i guess but what about you so i mean the first memory i have of actually playing a first person game uh was uh battle zone so mm. battle zone for people who don't know that it's a wireframe style game once again because you know it's an older title um and it I played it on an arcade cabinet that my uncle was restoring at the time. Uh, I think he, I don't remember what he was doing, but I think he got a job at an arcade and he was able to take some of them home if they needed some like maintenance work or whatever it was. Cause for some reason he had that there for a little while. And then I guess he had to put, bring it back. But like, I loved playing this game. It was so cool. Such an amazing concept. And it, the, I mean, the first person aspect of it is a little, it's simple. It's very, very simple. I mean, the gameplay is incredibly simple itself, where you just kind of drive around and you shoot wireframe tanks. There's, but what I really liked about it was the actual like scenery that was there. I, I thought it was fascinating that because typically like games before this, when they were trying to do first person stuff or from ones that I saw, it was very much like Maze Runner uh, or uh, Maze War, where it's just you know, flat walls, right? Everything is very like square and that's about it. But then this game, Battle Zone, you actually had mountain peaks in the backgrounds and like pyramids and all this cool stuff. And there was actually a moon there too. And like the tanks were constructed in a way that they actually look like legit tanks. And you can see the the enemy gunners like rotating to where you are and see these other enemy tanks driving around. And it was it was fascinating. It was so interesting to play this title where they were able to play with the vantage points that way. And um, there was a radar on it, too, which was really cool. Like the fact that they had that. And then even whenever you got shot, like wireframe cracks would show up on your screen to kind of like distort what you're seeing. There, there was a lot built into this game. And it's like deceptively simple. 
because of the way that the graphics are. But I, I love that old school aesthetic behind it where it's just wireframes like that and games like um like uh, asteroids right like i they were able to accomplish so much with so little and it's it's fascinating so fascinating to see this stuff uh, but yeah that was a lot of fun to play with and just uh, seeing like screenshots of it now and just the colors right that bright green it, it just brings back so much memories, honestly. I, I I wish I had a cabinet of that still. I would I would play the hell out of it. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. That that was a really great a great memory to have. Um, but you know, it, as I try and like remember what was the next game that really stood out to me as far as like a first person camera goes, I ended up playing a lot of like RPGs after that, you know, I was playing a lot of Mario parties and a lot of that kind of stuff. Like I was growing up as a Nintendo kid. And so the next one that was really stuck out to me was probably Goldeneye. Like mm. that one really changed everything. And it just have such fond memories of playing Goldeneye with my friends that I, I don't know, there was something very interesting about it. And I really, I'm not like a huge first person shooter guy, but that game really stuck out as just a super fun time um, getting all the cheat codes, right? So you can do like big head mode and paintball yeah. and all that stuff was super fun. I absolutely loved it. Or playing all rockets, right? Or golden gun only, that that kind of stuff. Um, and whoever played odd job was a cheater, you know, like <laughs> I always thought it was hilarious that even odd job had a smaller hitbox and everybody else because it was just still early in the gaming cycle where that was a thing. But there is a lot of really great memories behind those things, but the I don't know the the first person camera is such an interesting concept because like when I think back like going back to Battlezone real quick like I didn't need to have a character there right I didn't need to know that I was in a tank or I was driving around because you can feel that immersion early on and I think that's what a lot of these game designers saw whenever they first saw games like uh, Maze War was like the the idea the revolution of you can actually put the player in the game you don't need to have a, a like a mascot character anymore like that's not necessary now we have the ability to make the player the main character and that is just so cool. And like the the ideas of early immersion are just so interesting to me. Because I mean, back then we had mascots, right? We had like Mario where I am not playing the game. I'm playing as Mario getting through this game, right? But mm -hmm. when you start playing games like this, where it's like, no, like it's me. I'm the one doing this, right? So there is this really, I don't know, really cool concept with that. And I really, really do appreciate that. So it's, I, I feel like with the first person camera came full game immersion. And it's amazing to see where it's gone to now, right? And how far we've gone with the first person view. Um, but it's, it's crazy. The amount of work that was put into some of these titles is just amazing. I love it. I always thought Battlezone was cool. I uh, recently played the VR version that came out on the. Oh, that's cool! And it was, dude, it's really cool. Like you really feel like you're in the tank. Like you got your whole like cockpit and everything, and it it's a really cool game. 
But uh, it's like looking at the original still alive is great. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's like one of those Atari games that like just has stuck around, you know, because it, it was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, even so, like right after uh, Maze came out um, and people were kind of uh, on the fence about maybe this game being the first uh, first person, but uh, Spasm. Spacem um, was this other very early flight sim game, and it was uh, created on the Play-Doh network. Okay, and basically, yeah. what the Play-Doh is was a. Uh, it started in 1960. Uh, it stands for Programmed Logic for Automatic Teaching Operations, and it was like the first generalized computer-assisted instruction system, and. It uh, I, it seems like it was stationed in the University of Illinois, and mm-hmm. um, basically it was the thing that kind of created what we have now as technology. You know, I mean, kind of jumping away from games real quick, like thanks to it, basically, um, you know, touchscreen back in '64, um, plasma display, you know, um, different kind of uh online communities you were able to do email with it um and multiplayer games too like over the local network right not not just wired but you could like connect to people like lan basically mm-hmm. and um and this was all like you know late 60s early 70s which is just it's insane to know that that kind of stuff existed back then but so this game it <sighs> It was kind of the same in the sense where it was like, you know, you're flying, you're shooting down enemies. But kind of the big thing that stood out to me was just that multiplayer, like network multiplayer must have been insane to think about back then. You know, like. It's weird to think about that at all before the 90s, you know, even then the 90s was already kind of like still pretty early. Um, I mean, I still think that making a, a working multiplayer game is difficult today. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, there's so many assets, especially when you think about like the security side of it, too. Oh, yeah. And the fact that, that back then, you know, like LAN was so revolutionary and so much fun to be able to actually play these games with your buddies. Like that was such a huge thing. I remember playing Quake in the basement with my uncle. And he had like mm. six computers all hooked up to each other and like all this stuff, right? Like it's just so crazy to to see and just thinking that I, I, oh my god, I'm I'm playing with my family who's in different parts of the room and they all have their own computers and how crazy and revolutionary is this? And I, I guess I'm aging myself there a little bit, but <laughs> it, like that wasn't that long ago where that was still such a fresh and new concept to be able to do that and then now of course like we can play with each other at, from anywhere in the world but like it wasn't that long ago where you had to actually be in the same room as somebody and like that's huge to see this stuff and i think what was really cool about that especially playing some of these like first person shooter games was it's the first time where you, like i said like you're fully immersed in the game right and then you can see someone else in the game, right? Like you can see this character 
that is no longer just an NPC or uh, like a monster that is following a very strict pattern trying to get to you. This is a, another human with sporadic movements and doing their own thing. And they, from their viewport, they can see, I don't know, there was just something kind of magical about that moment of the first time playing that online together. Because like you have this fully immersive experience, but now you're a character in someone else's game. And it was crazy to think about. Like that was so <laughs> revolutionary and so nuts. And just think about now, like just how magical that is and how much we take it for granted nowadays, where like this was amazing. This was such an amazing concept that we just didn't know we could do, right? Like I don't know. There's something so cool about that. Like watching your buddy strafe in front of you and do stupid things and run around you in circles, right? Like there's something so amazing about that. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like that magic is kind of lost now because we take things for granted and it's just kind of expected. But like that was, that was huge. That was something that we just didn't have back in the day. <laughs> Listen to me now back in my day. Yeah. I know. I remember going to land centers and like playing like Halo 2 and Quake on like community ones or like Counter Strike 1.6. And it was just crazy to think like, oh, this is that kid sitting right next to me. But it's like he's being a little idiot too, just like me. Like it, it, it was such a cool thing to see. You know, it just it felt so real. And it yeah, made it funny. And like watching people miss jumps was hilarious, right? Like it. Mm -hmm. It made it where it's no longer frustrating. It's just hilarious to watch people do this. Or like you would sit there and play with people and you'd be getting sniped from somewhere. And it's like, I didn't even know you can get up there. Right. And yep. now you start exploring the map and start figuring out how to traverse better and, you know, kind of glitch the game a little bit. Right. Like it it created the sense of wanting to explore these games more that on the surface, you didn't feel like you needed to explore anything at all. Like it felt like I was just running and gunning, right? But there was so much more built into these titles. So it was a really cool experience being able to share that. This is the first time where you can like really share this experience with somebody else. And I think like that first person camera really like sold it. It made it where you're just like so engrossed and wrapped in this game that it was just so much fun to share that with. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when you brought up Battlezone, because when you look at it, uh, Battlezone was basically the first, you know, commercial first person game. Right. Yeah. It was the first 3D, too. And then the I other. I like how that's classified as 3D. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, mm. but it, it counts. It counts. Yeah. And uh, you look at Star Raiders was the other big Atari game. And that was more on the 2D side. But that was another you know, big one for back then. Um, mm -hmm. And then kind of dialing it back real quick too. Uh, when I was talking about those racing games, so the first really true first-person racing game was called Nurburgring 1. I know I'm butchering mm -hmm. that, but uh, it came out, I think, in 1976, and it was an arcade okay. cabinet. And it it honestly looked pretty cool for an old racing game. You know, like... It's weird that you didn't really see that many first-person racing games until way later. When you think it wouldn't be that I don't know hard, how people can drive in first person? <laughs> when I, it's I like can't. that, 
like old school, I feel like I can do it. But nowadays, like I was thinking about playing when I was playing cyberpunk, right? And I was like, oh, I'm going to play first person driving. And I'm like, dude, I hate it because one, your car is long half mm-hmm. the time. So you're just hitting shit. And it's just like it throws you off because, you know, you look at the straight ahead of you and you're like, OK, this is my this is my bubble, right? Everything I can't see off the screen, well, it can't touch me because I can't see it. But no, your right. car is still big enough where you can still hit things to your side. You know, I mean, obviously that's mm-hmm. realistic. But to me and my dumb gamer brain, I'm like, I shouldn't be hitting that. You know, I can't see it. But well, the, the field, the field of view is off whenever you're yeah. playing a game, because when you're driving a car like you. Your field of view is a lot wider than <laughs> what it gives you whenever you're driving in a car. Like, I do remember that in Cyberpunk, where as soon as I got into a car, as much as I love seeing all the detail that they put into the dashboard and everything like that, I had to go third person with the cars. It's like, I yeah, can't same. do this. And same thing with, like, Grand Theft Auto and all that. Like, driving mm-hmm. in first person in Grand Theft Auto is a nightmare because you only see, <laughs> like, a quarter of what's in front of you. You don't actually see behind you to the sides any of that stuff like it just feels so wrong to drive in first person so i i just don't know how people do it i know some people are really into it and the fact that that's an option that means that people like it but i just don't get it i can't they're monsters yeah they're definitely crazy people no thank you (laughs) but yeah so the the history of it, and I, I always think it's funny how Doom keeps getting brought up for, like, these, for first person, right? And how it always gets put into the history books of being the best of it. But there's a game that came out before Doom, and it's by it as well. There's a couple of them that came out, actually. Um, the first one that I found really fascinating, and it looked amazing, is uh, Hover Tank 3D, right? Like, hmm. that title is really really interesting i mean it's it's basically the same like model layout as doom or catacombs or whatever right but you're a hover tank Hmm. you know and so like that was a really cool thing but i i love the fact that a lot of these games back in the day they had to specify 3d in their title like that was (laughs) the selling point you know um but yeah hover tank was a really cool one and once again like kind of falling on the whole battle zone vibe of what it looks like you're driving around so that's one of those uh but i have to say like after doing some research the one that really blew me away from especially for how old it is is catacombs catacombs 3d which came out before doom uh looks amazing and in my opinion looks better than doom does and it's an older title but the way that they were able to do the pixel art on the hand that's in front of you, because you you basically just um, shoot out spells, right, from this mm-hmm. hand that's in front of you. And it just looks so good. Like, I'm really, really surprised by how clean the graphics look, how bright everything is. Um, the I, It just kind of blows me away. And this really set up the stage for doom like doom was built on top of this because it's it right and it just kind of yes they rebuild rebuilt their software every for every single game that they made try and make it bigger better faster but doom was had to have been built on the framework of this right and i don't know there's something about catacombs i i definitely want to like go through and actually play this title because it it's pretty phenomenal, like from the artwork, the sound design, everything. 
Uh, it's it's very very well done. I'm I'm actually very surprised by it. I don't you know if can, you've seen that. So. And you can tell it, it it has a lot of that kind of. Um, you can tell where Wolfenstein really got its look from because it reminds me a lot of the look of it. You know, like yeah, open sky and everything. Like it's interesting. Yeah, I definitely I kind of want to check it out. And it uh, so it used texture mapping in that game, which was influenced by. Um, Ultima Underworld. And that's kind of what I was going to get to next with this is that, you know, back then RPGs were kind of in a weird place, right? Like you had your typical top-down JRPG kind of in mm-hmm. the 80s, right, with Dragon Quest and um like a couple other titles too, but a lot of the times they were dungeon crawlers and Ultima Underworld really kind of stands out to me because you look at it and you're like, wow, uh, it's gorgeous for a game. I mean, granted, it came out in 92, right? So they had some kind of nice technology by then. Mm-hmm. But the it was it, it did a lot of firsts, right, in the 3D space. So it had um, basically the first texture map environment. And it also was the first for having polygonal objects in it. Mm. And when you look at it, it doesn't look like much. But when you think about back then, it it is kind of crazy. Because, I mean, it's just stuff we take for granted now. And Well, it was this has to be one of the first games where it had it where in the game you can physically, with your mouse, pick up an item off of the floor and drag it into your inventory that was off to the side of a different screen. So mm-hmm. as soon as it got off the viewport, it changed to the icon for the menu and you're able to actually drag it into an appropriate slot or an empty slot. Like that right there, that mechanic alone, I mean, that's amazing to see from that early on and having like full inventory management and everything. There's a full spell list. You get a spell bag. Like there's a card. with Like there's a lot there, which is really, really amazing to see. They put a lot of work into this game. And for it being so early on, that's kind of mind-blowing, honestly. Yeah, it was uh, in development for almost three years. And then, uh, you know, they got a lot of their inspiration from, like, Wizardry. And, you know, a lot of those older... For me, those kind of older RPGs are a little bit harder for me to get into. Um, Mm -hmm. I do like dungeon crawler kind of games like that. But it... I almost feel like the story has never like fully engaged me at all, right. but it, it's something I want to give a try. You know, like I've heard amazing things about Ultima and especially cer- certain ones. And I think it's a genre. I definitely want to check out more. Um, I think I'm more used to the Kingsfield kind of RPG when it comes to that, where it's more like, uh, you know, Elder Scrolls style where it's more fluid and a little more what we're what we're used to right now, you know, right. with that kind of first person. And I think that speaking of Elder Scrolls, when I played sadly I skipped Morrowind because I felt like I was kinda young when that came out. But Oblivion was one that really made me enjoy um first person you know, games like that. And 
I, to this day, I still kind of put those second, right? Like I, I'm to this day, I'm still big in the JRPGs and I love being able to see my character and do all that kind of stuff. But as I'm getting older, I'm starting to really enjoy those first person RPGs because it does feel like you are there, like you are role playing this character and right. it feels real you know i mean a lot of these worlds are big that's the point of an rpg right you want to get immersed in the world and what better way to do it than actually see through the eyes of this character and yeah so i'm i've been kind of like making a huge list right i'm making a list of like crpgs like boulders gate kind of games but i'm also like i want to play these kind of first person older that so many people talk about and um it's insane how many there were back then you know late late 80s early 90s like it's crazy what they were doing yeah it's it's pretty mind-blowing honestly and so i i want to ask you this question because i'm curious of what you think about it or what maybe your reasoning might be for this mm-hmm. but i i was when i was looking up the camera stuff i i ran across a random question i think it was like on quora or something like that where you can tell this person probably doesn't know anything about game development <laughs> or how much work actually goes into this stuff. Uh, but they asked, why doesn't every game that, you know, have a first person and a third person camera option? Why isn't that a thing? And I'm curious of what your initial thought behind that is, because the the camera has evolved so much, right? We had the Starfield baby. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, <laughs> they did it. They did it, but there's, you know, there's a lot that goes behind that, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, with the camera evolving so much and the way technology has evolved so much, it, you know, why not have multiples, right? Or make it an option where you can do third person and first person for every single one. Um, what limitations do you think might cause that? I'm kind of curious. I think the perspectives, you know, I, Every time, like, a Bethesda game, I feel like they're one of the few that really does it. Because uh, I know in Fallout you can do it. I know you can do it, I think, in Skyrim. I forget. But it just feels weird. Like, your character just looks so awkward when you're running. Yeah. And, y- you know, you can tell that they made this a first-person game, first and foremost. And the the third person part of it it feels like when you're you know in your game engine and you have your character model just standing there and you're like making it do stupid little dances it's like that's what it looks like like your character is always kind of like if not in the center of the screen it's a little bit below it and it just Mm. feels very I don't know the way to describe it without just saying bland, but you can tell like there's a lot that goes into one perspective over the other. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that, you know, I don't know how hard it really would be to do that because I mean, you would think people would be able to perfect that by now. And there is a game coming out soon called a uh, Holston, which kind of has that where you're top down and then when you get into a fight it shifts into like a first person over the shoulder mm. kind of thing right but 
as like a true first third person, I don't know if we're going to see that kind of stuff fluidly until, I don't know, maybe a long time, you know, because that, that just sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. For very little I, outcome. Yeah. And it, the fact that not many people would really appreciate how much work actually gets put into that because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a lot. Or if you like, for instance, let's say I'm making a first person game and it's single player. Right? like one of the big things that I don't have to render now in the game is the character model itself. Right. So for most of these titles, whenever you're playing, like, let's say you're playing Metroid. Right. There typically isn't a character there. It's just the arm. Right. It's like so the rendering is much easier. The camera viewport can be just stationed based off of that. The colliders can be something a lot simpler, something like a capsule collider. Um, so it's just a capsule shape, kind of looks like a pill bottle, right? Or just a, a pill. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a lot easier to program for that if you're doing a first-person game. Whereas with third-person game, you have to worry about collisions of everything that's going through. So you don't have clipping or anything like that or any unwanted issues. So if you are trying to bounce back and forth, I mean, the best way I could think of doing that is kind of making the game twice almost, right? Which is a little annoying or making the player character twice. So (laughs) you make a third person character and then you make a first person character, right? But if they switch between those views, you're basically unloading the third person character and loading in the first person and then vice versa for going back and forth, right? So like that right there is probably why we don't see it more often. Uh, as much as we think that it would be easier to do so, you are basically creating double work at that point, right? So when we do see these games that do have it where you can bounce back and forth, there is noticeable issues, right? Like it is kind of like clunky or weird or the viewport is a little off because they are using the same character model or you feel like you kind of get stuck on certain things whenever you feel like you shouldn't be getting stuck there. Uh, so like that's what, in my opinion, what that is, is that it is literally just shifting like there's two different cameras on the character itself, right? There's one that is in the first person view and there's one that's in the third person view and it's just swapping back and forth between those. But at all points in time, both like the the whole character is loaded in completely, right? So that's where I could feel like maybe you get some like janky issues with that. Um, It's the same thing whenever you're driving a car, right? When you go first person to third person and why first person might feel weird is because it's just putting the camera inside the car, right? Like it's not actually really formatting or or really paying attention to the, the, the vibe behind it or like the wide angle that you really should have when you're driving a car. So it's just a matter of how much work do you want to put into the title, so it's it's tough, you know, and we are starting to see a lot of more games that are putting in the work behind that, I guess you could say. But it is a lot to do. Like there is a lot that really is needed to to make that happen. And asking a game company that's already taking years to make this stuff work to now do twice the amount of work, that's not really fair, right? <laughs> that's a lot to ask. So, it, you know, if you are one of those people who are asking well, why isn't this a more commonplace thing? And well, that's that's a lot. It's a lot to plan for, and these guys are already doing so much work. And if you have artists or game designers that have spent so much time on an amazing character model, and you just want to 
go first person, like you're kind of taking away from all the work that was put there. You're almost saying like you're not appreciative of the work, in my opinion, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those like the game was designed this way based off of the designer's intent. So enjoy it based off of that, right? Like play the game and don't try and change it for or your use, right? Like I know that people think. I spent money on this. This is mine. I should be able to. It's like, no, like you're appreciate. You don't do that when you go into a movie, right? You don't go to a movie and be like, oh, well, I would have done this, this and this differently. Right. It's like, no, like that's not how this works. Like they made this game and they made it the way that they feel like you can get the most enjoyment and the best immersion using this style. So just kind of enjoy it as it comes. Right. So I don't know. That's my little uh, don't bash on gamers so much or game designers. Right, <laughs> spiel there. So, yeah, yeah. And there's not enough reward for doing both. No, no, because no matter what, someone's gonna talk crap. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoy this little conversation here as we're diving into some game mechanics, all about the first-person camera, some little history behind it. And hopefully, you guys have learned something. I uh, learned about some games that you might not have heard of, and maybe you're checking them out now. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really cool ones, especially these older games. And to think that, you know, this revolutionary style started back in the 70s, it's pretty amazing. So definitely recommend people checking that stuff out so you can have a better appreciation of the work that gets put into these games that are making right now, uh, especially with the, you know, how difficult the gaming market is. There's a lot of layoffs and a lot of people who do a lot of work that are just underappreciated for the amount of stuff that they're doing out there. So really take the time to just enjoy and soak in everything that they've done because they they are doing a lot out there. But anyway, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games and all that good stuff in between. Uh, But until then, bye for now.